0: You're listening to The Chaz and Lou Show, the podcast where we delve deeper into all things true crime, scary, and things that scare us shitless. Join hosts Chaz and Lou as they share their thoughts and insights into some of history's most compelling events and mysteries. That's here on The Chaz and Lou Show.
1: Hello, everyone. Hey. Welcome to another episode of the Chas and Luke show. Oh,
2: what episode are we on?
1: Uh, I want to say 18.
2: Yeah, I think <coughs> it might be, you know. So,
1: I mean, what's been going on this week?
2: Not a lot, really. No? Working hard. Mm-mm. Or hardly working. One or I two.
1: kind of feel like this week's been been a bit blech.
2: Yeah, it has, 100%. I feel exactly the same. Like, like just,
1: even now I'm a bit like blech. That, I don't. On.
2: I don't know if it's because obviously we're in, we're in, so in a met like I. This is one thing that where I kind of wish that we did. Go on. Um, because obviously at the, like this week was uh, uh, Thanksgiving on yeah. Thursday, but in the UK we have from Halloween until the twenty fifth of December, where it's sort of a bit just like I feel like the end of November for us. So like from the mid of November to like the very first week of d- December, it's a bit meh. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because there's not a lot going on. No, I mean like... And it's a bit too early to start doing like Christmas days. And it's a bit too early to start doing like anything Christmassy apart from me putting my Christmas tree up yesterday.
1: Even though she moaned about it. (laughs) I know I did. did.
2: I'm sorry everyone, but it wasn't actually me. It was my husband. (laughs) (laughs) No, but
1: you moaned about it on the podcast. I I
2: did moan about it on the podcast. (laughs) And do you know what? I did moan about it on the podcast, but he said to me... Wednesday or Thursday last week, we were sitting at the, watching Home Alone, I think. Oh,
1: Christmas film. Already. Yeah,
2: already. And we were watching Home Alone, which is his favourite Christmas film. Yeah. And he was like, he went, Oh, I really fancy putting a Christmas tree up this weekend. I went, are You alright? Not on drugs, are you? And he was like, no, no, I'm fine. Right. <laughs> so yeah, so I was just a bit shocked. I was like, Okay, let's go. <laughs>
1: I mean, mum won't let me put the Christmas tree up until... Um, well, it's normally the weekend after her... Or the week after her birthday. Yeah,
2: so her birthday is the 8th of December.
1: Which is too and late it, for me.
2: Well, uh, But that's always been the thing. We've always done that, that our yeah. whole lives. I can remember when... I
1: know what you're about to say, I think. Uh,
2: when I was probably about... 10, I think it was. So, I think it's the our last Christmas before we moved out of our first house that we yeah, lived to explain. In, in I remember this. And I think it might have, I think she'd gone out with dad. Yeah, they
1: went out for the evening.
2: That's right. And someone was babysitting. That's
1: when we had Monica.
2: Was it? Oh, yeah. So, our, we had no pair. Yeah. Hi, Monica, if you're listening. We love you. We love you. We missed you. And um, so, yeah, we had no pair. Her name was Monica and she was from Macedonia. And she was obviously babysitting us and we put the christmas well
1: we persuaded her that yeah to to put the christmas (laughs) stuff
2: up so then when they came home from being out at like two in the morning there was like all these christmas decorations up Uh but we had done it so badly (laughs) i
1: don't think it was that bad well this
2: was back in the day where like i'm not quite sure if
1: it's i find it tacky now
2: yeah it's so tacky but you know like where you have like the Plastic shiny things hanging from the ceiling. <laughs> yeah. We used to pin them in the middle into the, our lovely, like, little bobbly ceiling. It was great.
1: Yeah.
2: And then we had like the stars. I that... remember
1: standing on the armchairs of the sofas. Oh,
2: yeah, and on the dining table. Yeah, just kind of like pin it. Yeah, it was great with all the tinsel. Yeah. My husband hates tinsel. I hate tinsel as well. Oh, I don't know what's going on. I find it really my pointless. Cab- my cable keeps curling over and hitting the mic. <laughs> <laughs> For fuck's sake.
1: Off. Just put it the other side of the thing. There you go.
2: Okay. Right. So, um, what were we talking about?
1: Uh, about um, she explaining the Christmas decorations. Oh yeah. So yeah. So
2: yeah. so yeah. And the, and I remember I don't think we did it to Mum's standard.
1: No, she has she has a standard. She has a standard. She definitely has a standard. And she
2: also has like a, a thing. Everything has like a particular place. Yes. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I don't think we did a very good job then. Never mind. Oh well.
1: I mean, we did do it a couple of more times as well. I think. Yeah, we did.
2: That. I remember once actually. I don't know if you remember. <laughs> but when I was probably uh, about, it was before we moved into the pub. So probably about fourteen. It's like yeah. our last Christmas before we moved into the pub. And so, I don't. This is what we used to have. So back in the day, we had like mahogany furniture. Uh, did we? Yeah. It was that. Do you remember the thing with the chip with the the cabinets mum used to put all of her ornaments in the glass cabinets.
1: We had that in Chicks' as well.
2: Yeah, I know. That we moved it over. Yeah, but, but that's th- the
1: only thing that and the dining room table that we kept. Yeah. everything else went.
2: Yeah, I know. But so we had mahogany furniture and the one unit that my mum and dad kept was the one which had all the alcohol in it. <sighs> you know, the one that kind of flipped down yeah. and turned into like a bar almost on yeah, the inside. Yeah. Well, this one particular Christmas, Mum and Dad... I think Mum was working at the pub, I think. Yeah. And Dad... It was like a Friday night and Dad used to he, do I his think, thing.
1: Yeah, he used to do discos and karaoke yeah. and stuff there and to he, and he
2: used to go down and he'd do that and he would maybe have a drink or whatever. And uh, this one particular night, I think I was babysitting you because that was after Monica had left. Yeah. And I think she'd
1: actually gone home for Christmas.
2: Oh, no, I think she she left when I was 13. She she went back home when I was thirteen.
1: Oh, she 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 must have moved because I remember her there just before we moved into the Cross Keys.
2: Yeah, so this was like the our first sort of like December time, and my mum and dad had so they had obviously all their alcohol in this bar, and I think it was Jenna, I think it's me and Jenna Mm. were drinking that fat Sam stuff. Oh. I don't know if you remember. No. It. So it's a bit like tequila rose, you know the pink.
1: Oh, lovely. Yeah,
2: so it's a bit like that, but I'm pretty sure it's called Fat Sam's or Fat Joe's or something like that. And they, my mum and mum and dad had like three different flavours in there. and Literally, it'd been in there for years, so it's probably completely curdled and gone off. Oh. <laughs> and we had drunk probably like half a bottle between the two of us, and then we decided to put the Christmas. <laughs> done it really wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, that was, um, yeah, Christmas memories. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I know, me too.
1: I don't actually remember much from Ansgar Road.
2: Do you not? No. Oh, I remember you chasing me around the bloody house with a knife.
1: Oh, God. Why do you tell people s- s- shit like that? Because you're psycho. Uh, Shut up, no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, do, you m- do you remember the um, girl that we fostered? Do you remember Kelly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. With her cat. Yeah. Was, like a psycho killer. Like, you'd stand in oh the kitchen, just like staring. Yeah. And you'd be like, and you know what used, chase-
1: used to chase after Dylan.
2: Yeah, and Dylan would like just, uh, Dylan was the dog. Um, and Dylan would just like just shit himself. Yeah. <laughs> just, I
1: remember like the cat just running after him, like on three legs and the one paw hanging, <laughs> like just like clawing at him. <laughs>
2: but there was just this one time I remember just walking into, we had like um, a galley kitchen in our house in Ann's Road. Right? and walking into the kitchen and this cat was it was in was the his summer his name Willie? It might have been
1: I think his name was Willie
2: Willie or William or something yeah. like that I think or w- Willie for short Willow Sorry Will I? <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen this recent one? Yeah. Sorry side note um, so this there's this guy if you haven't seen him on TikTok he's absolutely hilarious and he um he he obviously he cross dresses a little bit but not to, yeah. the, to an extent that's like really in your face for this particular TikTok, he's walking down the street and he's do- he's like doing it and he was like, "Yeah, I just I just got like catcalled." Uh, and this bloke went, "You're gorgeous." And he went, "I've got a cock." <laughs> <laughs> and then he, he was like, and then this bloke ran away. He's just scared of the wallow,
1: <laughs> Oh dear.
2: Um. Anyway, <laughs> so I walked into the kitchen and this cat was sat by the back door and just staring at me. And you could almost just hear the claws just slowly coming out. And I was like, right, fuck that shit. I'm not going in there. Because that cat was like a psycho killer, I'm sure. Yeah. But yeah, anyway. <laughs> oh, dear. We're both feeling a bit meh today because we both got really bad headaches.
1: Yeah, I mean, I just, I don't know what it is. I just feel like absolute creep
2: yeah it doesn't help it's cold in here as well i went to
1: um i think it's called like ideal home christmas show yesterday oh where Uh, was this it's at kensington olympia nice it was actually really good it wasn't expect it wasn't what i was expecting i was expecting it to be like like all christmas stalls and stuff yeah but it wasn't it was like it had everything there. Like I brought two records yesterday. I got Fleetwood Mac rumours on a Ooh. white vinyl. Nice. Um and I got um Queen's Greatest Hits on a Clear Vinyl.
2: Oh. Yeah. As in like Freddie Mercury Queen. Yeah. Huh. Wow.
1: I know. I paid thirty quid for the uh Fleetwood Mac one and I paid thirty five for the Queen one.
2: That's not bad. I know. Um so
1: very impressed with that it was actually a really good day out actually went with Jess yeah Um, and it was so busy I mean we got lost on the way there because <laughs> we didn't know where we were going obviously because um, we got the underground all the way to mm-hmm. Kensington Olympia and didn't realise that you could just get off at Stratford and get the overground all the way there Cat. yeah well every time I'd done it from Epping it told me to get the underground right okay. didn't say anything about the overground right okay so, anyway, we got lost. We finally got there at like half twelve after leaving at like <laughs> ten o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so it took us two hours just to fucking get there. Well, at least you got there. Well, yeah, that's true. Um, uh, yeah. Jess brought some bits. I brought a couple of records. We got um, we then went back to Stratford. and was going to get some food, but it was just ridiculously b- busy. Really? Like it was stupid busy. Oof. Like every restaurant was queuing. The queue in Primark was a joke really yeah absolute joke
2: so this is why i know obviously jeff bezos is very rich and we probably shouldn't order from amazon but this is the reason why i've done all my amazon shopping all my christmas shopping sorry on amazon the
1: thing is though i always just do my shopping online because i just i can't get over the amount of people there are
2: i also have like this really big thing as well because i can't stand it when people in my personal space yeah even my kids it like (laughs) winds me up (laughs) yeah um but i can tolerate my children and my husband obviously being in my personal space but when i'm when it's a stranger i yeah i can't deal with it and i've probably got worse since covid as well yeah. With the whole true. personal spacing. Because people are so bloody rude. Oh, hundred percent. It does my head in. The 100%. amount of times that like people just kinda just cut you up. My my biggest bugbear, my biggest fucking fucking bugbear is people who walk slowly. Yes. Oh. oh. They walk so slowly and you're like They piss me off. Mate and it's normally, like, the people who are, like, just walking along on their phones. Yeah. And it's like, if you're on your phone, just fucking pull over and sit uh-huh. on a bench or mm-hmm. w- lean against the stairwell or something. Just get out of the fucking way. Don't do that. That's so annoying. I know what you mean. mean. Ran of the day over.
1: Yeah. So, uh, we didn't get any food from Stratford. We didn't go to Primark. We literally, like, we, went, we stopped. We went to Greg's. Got mm-hmm. a a roll And a... What are they called? Um... What are those donut things called? Like, but they're like stick version. A uh, twink? No. No. Um. Oh my God! What are they called? Yum yum. That's it. Yum yum. I yums. love a yum yum. We got um some yum yums and we ate them on the train and then um when we got back home mm. we went to Burger King.
2: Nice. I probably so would have gone to McDonald's because it's my favorite. But. Anyway.
1: Well, <sighs> McDonald's is that I. You always go to McDonald's.
2: Yeah, that's true. Like, sorry, I, I do like different. a Burger King burger, though. Oh, 10
1: out of 10. I had the... See,
2: um, I, I wish McDonald's and Burger King would marry each other. Yes. And do yeah. a Burger King burger and a McDonald's chips. Yeah. Because the chips from McDonald's are like on and out. See, I don't like Burger King chips because I find them too fat, and they're not salty enough.
1: See, I actually prefer Burger King chips over McDonald's chips. Uh,
2: okay. I, should we yep. come? Yeah, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're That's talking good. we've just talked for i don't even know how, how long 13 minutes <laughs> oh, I'm breaking oh 13 minutes mm. right okay well, let's carry on so today's episode everybody is about the notorious dennis nielsen Ooh.
1: now charlie
2: knows about him because charlie's watched his there's a doc there was a docu-series on itv um Ooh.
1: Don't get me started. <laughs> um, I loved me some David Tennant, so I had to watch it.
2: I know. So yeah, so David Tennant played him. Um so he it was called Des. Um mm-hmm. so David Tennant played uh Dennis Nielsen, the the serial killer. Um the only thing I would say about um David Tennant's performance yeah. is he looked very similar.
1: It was scary. Scar- like when how- I go- when I Googled him, yeah. I was like, wait, is that David Tennant?
2: No, it's not <laughs> David Tennant. But yeah, so he looks very similar.
1: He played the character so He played well. it
2: very, very well. I think
1: he actually won a BAFTA for it as well.
2: Uh, yeah, he might have done mm-hmm. that too. Only- did he not
1: actually recently just win an, uh, an Emmy Award for it as well?
2: Pass. Don't I know. think I'm
1: sure he did.
2: The only thing I would say... And it's not. It's no one. It's not his fault or anything. Because obviously David Tennant is actually Scottish, and his his normal accent is Scottish, isn't it? No, Lou. Is it not?
1: Yeah,
2: it is. Huh? What? You...
1: you just said he's Scottish.
2: Yeah, but no. What I mean is, is obviously Deni- Dennis Nielsen yeah. is Scottish. Yeah. But his accent isn't. Is very slight Scottish. Oh.
1: Okay. It's very
2: cut. It's not. It's not very obvious. There's only just like certain words, and the only reason why I know this is because I li- I watched um, on Netflix. is also the Dennis Nielsen tapes. So he, um, while he was in prison, he also. Uh, recorded a load of tapes where he sort of talked to himself, yeah. basically a bit like what we're doing now. So like.
1: David Tennant home um, the international Emmy Emmy for best performance by an actor for his portrayal of a serial killer, Dennis Nielsen.
2: Oh, well done, David Tennant.
1: I think that was actually literally not like only a week ago that happened. Oh wow, that's yeah. amazing!
2: So well done, David. Yeah. Um Yeah. So the only only criticism I have on his performance is the fact that he did a really f- he did a proper Scottish Scottish accent. accent. However. That could have been because he wasn't really putting on an accent anyway. Yeah, That was yeah. just hi- That was just his accent. Whereas yeah. if he'd had just done it very slo- softly, he would have, like, nailed it. Yeah. But that's the only criticism I have on him.
1: I mean, I just love him full stop. I've, like, watched everything. Like, I fell in love with David Tennant. In
2: Doctor f- Who?
1: When Yeah, when he was Doctor <laughs> Who. like Charlie's a bit of a nerd.
2: <laughs> no, I'm not.
1: I don't watch it anymore. But, like, I...
2: Not, not since there's been a female Doctor.
1: <laughs> no, do you know what? I actually stopped watching it after... David Tennant left. Okay. Because for me, like, because I, st- I started watching Doctor Who with um, Christopher Eccleston, I think his mm-hmm. name was. Like, and I had watched some older episodes of Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. And for me, David Tennant is by far the best Doctor that they've had. Yeah. And I watched a couple of episodes with, uh, th- with Matt Smith. Mm-hmm. And it just wasn't right. The
2: same, yeah. Okay. So
1: I thought it was, like, so David Tennant, I think, was a lot more adult- yeah. about the role yeah, yeah. where Matt Smith brought it down to a child's level and yeah. I, I I mean I it could have been the fact that I was I had grown up and whatever, but I just mm. thought it was the episodes weren't as scary as I what
2: think, yeah, I think as well, I think what happened was was between um David Tennant playing the Doctor and um Matt Smith doing it yeah. was um the BBC actually realised that their audience was more of an of a uh, child age. Because mm. that's when they brought out a lot more merchandise and stuff. Yeah,
1: maybe. But yeah, so, and I absolutely flipping loved him in Broadchurch. And that's where I found my love for Olivia Coleman as well. I love so Olivia Coleman. She's fucking brilliant. Have you seen the t- the advert for the new series that she's doing? No. On Sky. Uh-huh. So, I can't remember what it's called, but um, it's... <sighs> so, she plays the wife of someone and they kill someone's parents... Okay. So it's a crime drama. Right, okay. So it might be a, a good one for us to cover because it is a true story, apparently.
2: Oh, okay. I'll have a look into it. Yes, Okay, so... Right, sorry, we digress. When we, <laughs> we,
1: we, we'll carry on with this podcast right now.
2: Okay, so um, so a little bit about Dennis Nielsen. So he was born on the 23rd of November uh, 1945 in Fraserburgh, Aberdeenshire. And he was the second of three children to Elizabeth Dolphy White and Olav Magnus Mokshim. Um he then uh, later on sort of adopted the surname Nilsson. His mm-hmm. father was a Norwegian soldier who travelled to Scotland in nineteen forty as part of the free Norwegian forces following the German occupation of Norway. So I was just making sure I read that right. <laughs> <laughs> so um after a brief courtship, um his parents married um in on the they married In May 1942, there we go. And then uh, they ended up moving into her parents' house. Unfortunately, the marriage between his parents was quite very difficult. Um, His dad uh, didn't view married life as a priority um, and he wasn't serious about it. And he was very preoccupied with his duties with the free Norwegian forces. Um, And he made like zero attempt to spend much time with... His new wife, yeah. or f- try and find a new home for his family. Um, and so after the third, the birth of their third child, um, Nielsen's mother Elizabeth, um, concluded she had rushed into marriage without thinking, mm-hmm. uh, and the couple divorced in nineteen forty-eight uh, after six years of marriage. Okay, all right, um, and they so as I said, they've had three children. So Dennis's oldest brother was Olav Junior. Then there was Dennis, and then his little sister, Sylvia. Um, and each one of those children had been conceived on their father's brief visits visit, visits to their father. For uh, fuck's sake, Louise. <laughs> <They> <laughs> Mind each, boggle. I know. Each child was conceived on the brief visit their father made to their mother. Right, okay. Because he was basically out of the house, like constantly throughout their whole life. Oh, okay. Um, and... So, uh, De- Dennis's parents, Andrew and Lily White, um, they never approved of the marriage anyway. They mm-hmm, didn't yeah. like... I don't think they liked their son-in-law. Um, and they were very supportive of their daughter following her divorce. And they also... They took in their... Well, they, they were already living there well, anyway. Yeah. So, they sort of basically were like, Yay! <laughs> 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 Finally! <laughs> um, so as a child he was very quiet but he was also very adventurous Mm -hmm. so uh, lots of reports say that he was very quiet you know he was very intelligent but he was one of those kids that would like sort of i don't think nobody noticed that he was around really yeah because he was very quiet he just kind of like just disappear on his own and go and do his own thing and yeah sort of didn't really i don't think Anyone really paid much attention to him, apart from his grandfather mm-hmm. um and dennis rep- says that his earliest childhood memories were of family picnics in the Scottish countryside with his mother and his siblings um and of hi- and he also remembers his gran- grandparents' pious lifestyle, which he later described as cold and dure okay so but I think so pious is like a religious kind of lifestyle. And I think it was very much what I can just imagine. Like when I was reading that bit, it just reminded me of like Scrooge. Yeah. Fr- well, you know, like when, uh, especially like the Muppets Christmas Carol, for example. <laughs> and you know, like he when he goes home at the very beginning of the film. Yeah. And he goes in, he puts his slippers on, he's got that carpet coat, house coat on, and or dressing gown as we call it. Um, and he just sits there and eats like bread and cheese and shit. Yeah. yeah. And like, yeah, like really boring, dull. That's what I just imagine. What his child was childhood was like was just like brown carpet and shit. <laughs> just I'm boring. I'm just gonna say this.
1: That was really pissed me off. Oh, sorry. Go under your arm because then it will be. No, no, no. I mean, like if you go.
2: Hold on. Is that better? Yes, yeah, better. Okay. Right. Sorry. For sorry, the guys. Effort. Um, so yeah so, but apart from him having like a really boring childhood and um, the only thing that he really well I don't know if he enjoyed it but he used to go on really long countryside walks with his um, grandfather yeah. I think it was Andrew yeah so he used to go on um, really long um, walks with his grandfather um, and he was very close with him as well Olive Junior and Sylvia occasionally joined them on these walks but mainly it was just him and his grandad yeah. um, and so, when Nielsen was five years old, he vividly recalled these walks being very long, uh, very long, along the harbour, <laughs> um, across the wide stretch of beach, up to the sand dunes, which rise thirty feet behind the beach, and onto the Inverlochy, which I think is a ta- like a little village. Right. Okay. So basically, they'd like do like sort of fifteen mile walks, like pretty much every day one Um, thing
1: i want to quickly ask mm -hmm. is have you listened to the tapes is there like a copy of the tapes
2: yeah it's on netflix oh is i was there i haven't seen the i haven't seen the documentary yeah it's on netflix Netflix. yeah so if you go on netflix and you just literally search dennis nielsen yeah it'll come up with the uh tapes of dennis nielsen and also in that particular part he talks about these walks that he used to go on with his granddad and they'd found like you know those um we don't have many of them around anymore but you know those things that we used to have on the beach yeah and from like world war two or whenever it was when they're like concrete with like a little hole in yeah yeah, yeah. and they used to like sort of stick their guns through and like shoot any ships that came along they found one of those and they're going to that they'd go to that particular one that they found like all the time yeah and it actually turned out that the grandfather was abusing <gasps> like sexually abusing Dennis no in these things I... that's what he said in his tapes but then anywhere else you read it sort of doesn't really say much about it. okay, okay. and it also is really weird because as um also so he Dennis talks about um he talks about like his grandfather being a paedophile in the tapes. Yeah. But he also described um, that part of his childhood as contentment. So he felt content in that part of his life. That's really weird. Um, and he also said that his grandfather was his great hero and protector. And um, whenever his, so his grandfather was a fisherman, mm-hmm. and whenever his grandfather would go to sea, so which obviously they'd go to sea for like days on end. Yeah, yeah. And he would describe his life as empty for, um like it he's, he, Oh, fuck Saint Louis. he would describe his life as be, um it would be empty for me until he returned yeah so he was like it sounded like he was like completely besotted by his granddad yeah yeah um in and then sort of by 1951 nelson's grandfather's health was in decline his granddad he wasn't very old he was only 62 um But he carried on working, carried on doing his own thing. And sadly, on the 31st of October, 1951, while fishing in the North Sea, he died of a heart attack at the age of 62. Oh. Yeah. His body was brought ashore and returned to the White family home prior to his burial. In what Nielsen later described as his most vivid childhood recollection, his mother, weeping, asked him whether he wanted to see his grandfather. When he replied he did, he was taken to the room. So I think, I believe in the tapes he... De- Dennis said or Des said that his grandfather was in his coffin like an open casket coffin in the living room
1: mm-hmm.
2: and he went to go and have a look and he was fascinated by death already right so he was what I don't know nine I think eight or nine at that time so it was already starting yeah then um and so base and also as well what what also wasn't um just sort of describe like talk to With Des, or Dennis at the time, was he saw his grandfather in the coffin and his mother, and he sort of said, Oh, what's happened to him? as in, like, his granddad. Mm. And his mum said, Oh, he's just sleeping. He's gone to a better place. There was no, like, no, like, discussion of, you know, he's passed away, he's gone to heaven, he's gone to, like, none of that. Nothing, like, no, like, not, not, he's not become a star, nothing. So, you know, he felt. Like he wanted to go with him to this better place. Yeah. Like, why had he left? Why had he left us? Why, you know, why, why, why was he? Why were we here and he was at at this better place? Like, he sort of didn't have any. He had like no disassociation from Mm -hmm. him. Um, and sort of following the years, following after his granddad's death, he became more quiet, more withdrawn. Um, he'd often stand alone on the harbour. Where he's um, where his grandfather would like sort of cast off and go off to sea, and he'd stand and watch herring uh, the herring boats go off and yeah. come back again. And um, when he was at home, he rarely participated in family activities and retreated from any attempt attempts by adult family members to demonstrate any affection towards him. So like, if his mum or his grandma sort of was affectionate or like, oh, yeah. I love you, Dennis, he'd be like, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> i don't think he probably said that but, cool. um he also so dennis also started to resent the fact um or he's started to resent it and he also saw it as unfair um that the amount of attention that his brother and his sister were getting right so um he he said that his mother and his grandfather would basically um, oh, and his and later on his stepfather so his mother did remarry they displayed more affection towards his older brother and younger sister and he envied Olav so his older brother's popularity he often talked uh, talked. he often talked or played games with his younger sister Sylvia to whom he was closer than any other family member so he was yeah. really close to his little sister um, on one of these solo excursions to the beef uh, at Inver. Inver- and so basically he'd gone on a walk on his own. was it on his own hold on yeah so he'd he'd gone so he used to go on like walks like i said on his own and he'd go to the same place that his grandfather used to take him one particular occasion um he went actually went onto the beach and he became submerged beneath the water and was almost dragged out at sea
1: jesus
2: um and apparently he recalls initially panicking falling flailing his arms and shouting um, and as he gasped for air that wasn't there he recalled believing that his father was about to arrive and pull him out before experiencing a sense of tranquility his life was saved by another youth who dragged him ashore shortly after this incident Nielsen's mother moved out of his grandparents home and into a flat where her three children with her three children, sorry. And then she later married a builder named Andrew Scott, with whom she had four more children in as many Jesus. years. Yeah. um, So he had more siblings. Although Nielsen initially re- uh, resented his stepfather, whom he viewed as un- as an unfair dis- disciplinarian, he gradually came to grudgingly respect him. Uh, the family moved to Strick- Stricken in 1955. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, on the onset of puberty, this is when it um, sort of starts to go downhill for him, he discovered he was gay, um, which initially confused and ashamed him, because obviously back in the 50s, yeah. being gay was like so bad, it was yeah, yeah. like the worst thing ever, and yeah, so he was very ashamed of the fact that he was gay, and he was very confused. Um, and he also kept his sexuality hidden from his family and um, the few friends that he had too so he sort of didn't really sort of he kept it to himself Um, and because many of the boys to whom he was attracted to had facial features like those of his younger sister Sylvia he um, unfortunately on one occasion sexually fondled her believing that his attraction towards boys might be a manifestation of the care he felt for her
1: that's nice, Dave,
2: I know, so he thought that the reason why he was attracted to these certain boys was because they were more feminine looking so like they yeah. had more fe- fem like female features, and they weren't as rough around the edges I <laughs> suppose <of the pipes. laughs> <laughs> um even though he was gay he did he made no efforts to seek any sexual contact with any of his peers to whom he was sexually attracted to mm-hmm. so he was he again he was very withdrawn he sort of didn't i think for him if he touched any of them he was scared that it would show in the male way of showing mm-hmm. <laughs> um and um sorry lost my place And later on, he did say that he had been fondled by an older youth and did not find the experience unpleasant. Right. So, he basically, I don't think he was raped, but, like, he was, like, sexually harassed by an older youth. Right. And instead of being, like, appalled by it, he was like, hmm, this is quite nice. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Also, on one occasion, he caressed and fondled the boy of his older brother as he slept. Oh, the body of his older brother as he slept. So he, like, touched his older brother up while he was asleep.
1: That's disgusting.
2: Yeah. As a result of this, Olaf Jr., shockingly, had suspicions that his brother may be gay. <laughs> but again unfortunately he then reg- regularly belittled him in public so he constantly tease him he'd also refer to him as hen which is the scottish dialect for girl right which i already know because my mum, and dad's friend annie is scottish and she always calls me hen she's like hi hen <laughs> um
1: oh hi, do you know what I didn't know that. Did you not? No, I just thought it was just another way of saying hun.
2: No, no, no. (laughs) Hi, hun. No, it's Scottish dialect of, like, a girl. Um,
1: Did she call you hen? I I don't actually know. (laughs) I think she calls everyone it, if I'm being honest. Probably,
2: that's probably true. But, um, so even though Nielsen thought he was gay he also thought he was bisexual because of him fondling his sister. He thought that he he was attracted to girls as well. So Uh he was like not sure. Um, And as he progressed into adolescence, he found life in strict, strict, increasingly stifling with limited entertainment amenities or career opportunities yeah he respected his parents effort to provide and care for the children but began to resent the fact that his family was poorer than most of his peers so he hated the fact that he was poor yeah i think they all still lived in like a two or three bedroom flat as well and there's like seven of them jesus christ which is a lot yeah um and but also as well, I think another thing that frustrated the hell out of him is the fact that his mother and his stepfather made no effort to try and imp- imp- like make their life any better. Mm-hmm. So like they wouldn't like they wouldn't try and get a better job or earn more money or anything like that. Yeah. Um, and with this, he never invited any of his friends over to the house because he was just really embarrassed about their living situation. Yeah. Oh. Um, at 14, he joined the Army Cadet Force, um, viewing the British Army as a potential avenue for escaping his rural origins. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's when he... Um, so, for us... I, yeah, I don't think you ever did it, but the arm, Armed Forces, is, I think, is a little bit further on than doing, like, Cubs and Scouts and stuff. Right. I think my nephews do it. I think I think they're in the Cadets, because that's what it's called now.
1: Yeah. Oh. Um.
2: So... He. It's w- not
1: uh, like it's not like air cadets, is it?
2: Yeah, I think so. It's a little bit like that. But it's so obviously, air cadets is like pilots, like airplanes, yeah. and army cadets is obviously mm-hmm. army. Oh okay. <laughs> so his um, so his academic record was above average. So he wasn't he wasn't like crazy intelligent, but he was just meh. Um, he displayed a flair for history and art, but shunned sports. Wow. Shocking. I don't know if you've ever seen his, seen it, pictures of him. He's just like this lanky thing that sort of didn't have anything going. Well, he did have... Thi- oh, I don't know. I, <laughs> I don't find him attractive because it's a bit weird. Um, <laughs> he, uh, he finished school in 1961 and ended up working uh, very briefly in a canning factory Mm-hmm. as he considered his career path. Yeah. All right. So, um, and after three weeks of working in the factory, Nielsen informed his mother that he intended to join the army, which is, which is, um, he did, and he trained as a chef in the army. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So he passed the, and this is that sort of side note thing as well, going back to the N- Nielsen tapes, there's like a bit where um, he sort of go like he's like, I'm just going off to lunch now. I think I told you this last time. I'm just going off to lunch now. Um and he pauses the tape and he comes back and he's like, Right, I've just got my lunch and it's like this tofu like soy thing with like a spicy thing that you put out like it's almost like a curry. Yeah. And he and he's like eating it going like that. And he's like, surprisingly this has quite good. <laughs> and I think that's where that comes from, is that he's he was I think he really liked cooking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um So he passed his entrance examination and received official notification he was um, to enlist for nine years service um, in September 1961, commencing his training with the Army Catering Corps at St. Omer Barracks in Aldershot, Hampshire. Within weeks, Nielsen began to excel in his army duties. He later described his three years of training at Aldershaw as the happiest of my life. Mm-hmm. So he really enjoyed that bit. He relished the travel opportunities afford, um, that were given to him in his training and recalled as a highlight his regiment taking part in the ceremonial parade attended by both the Queen and Field Marshal Lord Montgomery of Alamein. While he was stationed at Aldershot, Nielsen su- suppressed feelings. His su- suppressed. Uh, um. While he was stationed at Aldershot, his his suppressed feelings began to stir. Obviously, because there probably wasn't many women.
1: Yeah. Um.
2: Nowadays, there are obviously more women in the army, but obviously back then it wasn't a female thing to be in the army. Yeah but still he kept his sexual orientation well hidden from his colleagues so he's basically got like another this is the pr- i think this is what happens i think when when people are their sexuality isn't the norm which yeah. is ridiculous because it shouldn't just be the norm because everybody's normal do you know what i mean yeah, yeah, yeah. it doesn't matter what you are as long as you're not hurting anyone which he obviously did um <laughs> but it, i i think when things are stifled i think it can later make things worse for people yeah if you know what i mean um the fact it like it's just almost like the fact he's not accepting himself Mm -hmm. he's just kind of like right i'm just gonna keep pushing that to the back of my brain it's not happening it's not happening um so yeah he kept it a secret and he never showered in the company of anyone while mm-hmm. he was in the army um, because he was scared of developing an erection in their presence. Lovely. <laughs> hmm Instead, he opted to bath alone in the bathroom, which also afforded him the privacy to masturbate without discovery. Oh, nice. Yeah, he does a lot of that. <laughs> okay, so we're getting there, we're getting there. <laughs> <laughs> um... In the mid 1964, he passed his initial catering exam. Was officially assigned to the first battalion of the Royal Facilias in Osnabrück, West Germany, where he served as a private. Mm-hmm. In this deployment, Nelson began to increase his intake of alcohol. So this is where, so we later discover as well that he drinks heavy. Really heavy drinker, like literally. But that's like typical for, um most people in the army is that Mm -hmm. what they do is they fight and drink alcohol because I think the alcohol numbs the pain I think of what they've seen Anywho (laughs) um, So he described himself and his colleagues also described him as a hard working boozy lot
1: Right
2: Um, His colleagues also recalled he often drank to excess to ease his shyness so he was very shy still when he was in the army and he'd just have like a bit of alcohol and he'd be like woo party <laughs>
1: i think everyone's like that once they've had alcohol if I'm being honest.
2: <laughs> um and one of, on uh, one of one of the occasions where he did drink himself to a ridiculous amount um it was him and a german youth they drunk ridiculously and they woke up in the morning and he found um himself on the floor of the of the german youth's flat yeah um no sexual activity had occurred, apparently, but this incident fueled Nielsen's sexual fantasies, which in- initially involved his his sexual partner, invariably a young slender male, being completely passive. What does that mean? So like like almost like a oh do anything you want to me. Uh, like oh. like no resistance, like <laughs> yeah, time up, slump me around a bit. <laughs> <laughs> like like literally like no like i think that what in his head that means like someone's not gonna say no i don't want to do that yeah he he wants a sexual partner that just goes right he basically wants a submissive
1: (laughs) if you could see lou now honestly
2: (laughs) (laughs) okay so this is where it starts getting a bit G- bit gross, a bit random, bit bizarre. Right, okay. Um, his fantasies had gradually evolved into his partner being unconscious or dead. Yeah, on several occasions, Nielsen also made tentative efforts to m- have his own prone body sexually interfered with by one of his colleagues. So he basically was trying to come onto one of his mates, his like, army mates, probably trying to get them pierced and like trying to see if they'll do the deed, maybe. Charlie's looking at me like, what the fuck? What the fuck? Um, On several occasions... uh, No, I've just said that. In these instances, whenever he and his colleagues drank to excess, Nielsen pretended he was inebriated, so basically he would get his mates completely blind drunk... He would probably have, like, a shot of water and then a shot of vodka. Shot of water. Shot of vodka. So he wouldn't be drunk. So he was aware of what was going on. Um, So he pretended to be pissed in the hope of his colleagues would make sexual use of his supposedly unconscious body. So he'd, like, pretend, like, lie on the floor, like, um, oh, like, dead. Because he'd, he'd want them to... That's... that's te- ...technically rape him, basically. That's
1: bizarre! It's-
2: Queen. How bizarre.
1: How bizarre. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, so following his, t- his two-year service in Osnabrück, Brock, Brock? Uh, Nielsen returned to Aldershot, where he passed his official coaching exam before being deployed to serve as a cook in the British Army in Norway. So he goes back to his heritage. Okay. In 1967, he was deployed to the state of Aden, uh, formerly Aden Colony, where he be- again served as a cook in the Al-Mansora prison. Ooh. This posting was more dangerous than his previous postings in West Germany or Norway and Nielsen later recalled his regiment losing several men, often in ambushes, on route to the army barracks. Mm, Nielsen was kidnapped by an Arab taxi... This is actually... Uh, it's funny, but it's not funny. <laughs> <laughs> so he was kidnapped by an Arab taxi driver. Right. Uh, who beat him unconscious and placed him in the boot of his car. Right?
1: I bet he got a thrill out of that.
2: Um. Upon being dragged out of the boot of the taxi, Nielsen grabbed a jack handle, so like I'm guessing like a jack to yeah. put the car up, the, the the handle off of it, and knocked the taxi driver to the floor before beating him unconscious, and then put locked him in the back of the car of the taxi. So he literally got knocked out by the taxi man, put in the boot of his car, and then literally I can, t- I almost like see it as like the scene from, uh... oh fuck, what's it called? Oh fuck! What was it called?
1: I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what it's oh, called. Oh,
2: what was that film? Um... Oh my god! What was that film? <laughs>
0: <laughs> she literally is struggling
1: with this one.
2: The film with the with the four guys and it, there's Alan and they all get pissed. They go to Vegas and it's
1: the Hangover. That's
2: it. Do <laughs> so you know the scene where the where um the the guy jumps out at the police car's boot and he's completely naked i and have to
1: admit i haven't really watched
2: it <gasps> you need to watch it's so funny so i watched a... the first
1: one and i didn't find it that funny
2: so right so there's a scene in the first one yeah where um they've kidnapped somebody and he's in the boot of the car yes and yeah. as they uh, they hear like knocking and they open the boot of the car and this guy literally just like, jumps out like a spider monkey like, like that. <laughs> i can just imagine that's what he did <laughs> <was> like, <laughs> jumped, jumped this aaron man like just beat him with the head with a the... <laughs> anyway, um, Lou's lost yeah. their place. I, no, no, I haven't. I haven't. Okay, so we're nearly we're nearly there to war to um him coming out of the army. All right, so yes. this is his last posting in A- in Aden.
1: You carry on. I'm just going to turn the fire on.
2: Okay, um, so while um in his previous um uh postings, he had to share rooms with everybody, but in Aiden, he had his own room, so he isn't in a private room, which again afforded him the privacy to masturbate without discovery. Nice. Um, And while he was doing this, he developed his fantasies of sex with an unresistant or deceased partner. Um, And, you know, he developed these fantasies and they become unfulfilled, obviously. Nielsen compensated by imagining sexual encounters with an unconscious body as he masturbated while looking at his own i'm gonna wait for you to sit down and listen to this because you're gonna be this your reaction is gonna be grow <laughs> like Go on. so he would um he had like a freestanding mirror in his room so he would position his body because he was quite skinny anyway and that was like his ideal so he oh i keep hitting that um so he had like this freestanding mirror and he would position his body so his face, his head wouldn't be in it. So he'd just see the body in the mirror and he would imagine that it was a dead body and he would masturbate to it.
1: That's disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. I,
2: was, I thought your reaction was going to be worse than that. I
1: but mean, I'm still trying to process it if I'm being honest. <laughs> um,
2: so yeah, so he would visualize... Visualized himself engaging in a sexual act with another man. What the
1: fuck is wrong with people?
2: <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like what? I know. Um, what?
1: No, sorry. I <laughs> thought I, I thought I saw a shadow, but it didn't. <laughs> da, da, da. <laughs> um,
2: so this ruse was create. He had this had created the ideal circumstance for him in which he could visually split his personality
1: that's just
2: ugh. and this so that splitting his personality is very you need to remember that for a bit later on. I came so also in this in these masturbatory fantasies Nielsen alternative, alternative
1: alternatively
2: alternatively oh. no alternately oh <laughs> sorry. alternately envisioned himself as being both a domineering and passive partner
1: right hmm hmm
2: these fantasies gradually evolved to incorporate his own near-death experience with an Arab ta- taxi driver. Sorry, I hiccuped. <laughs> I hiccuped slash burped at the same time.
1: Lovely.
2: Um. So, but then also, what he could, what he could do. So he um envisioned his like near-death experience with the taxi driver. He also envisioned the dead bodies he had seen in a- seen in Aden, and the imagery within a nineteenth-century oil painting called, entitled the raft of the medusa which depicts an old man holding the limp nude body of a dead youth mm-hmm. so it's basically like a wooden raft i saw a picture of this so It's a picture so they're at sea i think and they're on like this raft and it's this older guy i think that's holding on to um the dead a dead youth so like, a really young guy um and then there's a dismembered body of another young male like next to him lovely i know in nielsen's most vividly recalled fantasy a slender young attractive blonde soldier very particular who had been recently killed in in battle is dominated by a faceless dirty gray-haired old man who washed this washed this body before engaging in intercourse with the sp- with the spreg- spread eagled corpse <laughs> sorry Charlie's <Spice. laughs> so yeah so like his one of his sexual fantasies was him having a threesome basically with like a really dirty it sounds like a hobo like someone who's like living on the street like a homeless man but they washed the body of this dead young soldier and then they or I don't know if it, it was him having sex with the boy or the old man having sex with the boy yeah
1: I've got no words. <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> Absolutely speechless.
2: So, yeah. So that was when all of his, like, really fucked up shit started. Oh, I also forgot to say, yeah, uh, disclosure. <laughs> disclosure. <laughs> disclosure. Um, when Nilsson completed his deployment in Aden... He returned to the UK and was assigned to serve with the Argyll and Sutherland Highland, Highlanders at Seaton Barracks in Plymouth, Devon. Throughout his service with this regiment, he was required to cook for thirty soldiers and two officers daily. Nielsen served at these barracks for one year before being transferred to the Argyll and Sutherland Highlanders to Cyprus in 1969. Months later, the regiment was transferred to West Berlin, where, the same year, Nilsson had his first sexual experience with a female. Yay! No, I'm not saying (laughs) that.
1: What is wrong with you? Yay! (laughs) (laughs) He had sex with a (laughs) woman! What is wrong with you? (laughs) Why are you celebrating that? I don't know. I don't know. Jesus (laughs) Christ. (laughs)
2: i honestly think he was dared to do it (laughs) what do you think well yeah because it says it says here um so she was a prostitute whose services had been solicited
1: oh
2: yeah he then bragged his sexual encounter with his colleagues so he's lost his so poor dennis in 1969 lost his virginity to a prostitute and then bragged about it Fucking hell. Yeah, I I I had sex with this woman. She's like she's well good, is it? <laughs> um
1: Oh, how bizarre. How bizarre? <laughs> how bizarre.
2: <laughs> but later stated he found intercourse with a female both overrated and depressing.
1: Say that again. Sorry. I t- I'm going to be honest. My mind just was switched off at uh, that bit at uh, that bit. So he
2: described sex with a female as overrated and depressing.
1: Did he actually say that?
2: hmm Oh, my God. I mean, I feel sorry for the woman. Like, it's not her fault she, he's gay.
1: No, but it's her fault she's a prostitute. That's
2: true. Following... <laughs> oh, what's going on? I
1: think you've just hit the wire. Is it? No, that's fine.
2: Okay. Uh, following a brief period with the Argo and Southern Highlanders in, in Inverness... That's a mouthful. Yeah, is uh, Nilsson was selected to cook for the Queen's Royal Guard before, in January 1971, but being... Oh, sorry. So he cooked for the Queen's Royal Guard in January 1971, and then he was reassigned to serve as a cook for a different regiment in the Southern Shetland Islands, where he ended his 11-year military career right, at, the, yeah. at the rank of corporal in October 1972. mm mm-hmm okay Uh, and then he obviously ended up going back home so between october and december 1972 he lived with his family as he considered his next career move so he's obviously very intelligent the fact that he's like he's actually considering what he's going to do next um on what more than one occasion in the three months nielsen lived in stricken is it stricken i think that sounds right his mother voiced her opinion as to being more concerned with his lack of female companionship than his career path. So she was like, "You need to get married and have babies. Don't bother about your career." <laughs> <laughs> um. On another occasion, Nielsen. So this is um. It's also sad and also a little bit funny so he joined his older brother Olav his sister-in-law so, so Olav had got married Yeah. so Olav and his sister-in-law and another couple to watch a documentary about gay men now I'm not quite sure I find it a bit weird if you rang me up and said Lou do you fancy coming around watching a documentary about gay men I'd be like no because I'll watch it in my own house
1: I mean I'm not being funny but uh, I wouldn't watch it at all
2: okay. so, anyway, so they watched this documentary about being gay men and they all apart from um Nielsen took the piss out of someone being gay right so um yeah they took the piss out of it uh but then obviously that got his hackles up and he passionately spoke in defense of gay rights which you know 100 percent i agree with yeah yeah, yeah. He, you know yeah, fight yeah. for gay rights but um he then ended up having a fight with his brother oh amazing <laughs> like, like a physical fight with his brother jesus I know, but the thing is obviously Olaf already had his suspicions that his brother was gay yeah. and he then outed him to his mum. Yeah, so Olav I I, I told his mother that Dennis was gay. What dick. I know. Um, so he never spoke to his brother again. <laughs> And uh surprised um, he didn't murder him. I know. And he maintained only sporadic written contact with his mother, stepfather and younger siblings, who didn't speak to them. He would just send them letters every now and then.
1: Oh, that's quite sad.
2: Yeah. But this'll uh, this'll make you laugh. Um after this he decided to join the Metropolitan Police and moved to London in December to begin his training course.
1: Oh yes, he was a police officer, wasn't he? He
2: was. Um so so yeah, so um but the, also on the going back to the tape thing on Netflix, they interviewed the mother because she was still alive.
1: Oh really? Yeah,
2: and she said about how she didn't believe all of his crimes he d- she didn't believe that it was him. Okay. But she also as well Even though she didn't believe it was him, she also didn't know. She also sort of said that she did believe it at the same time. Because she said, if he lived with me still, I would have seen it. Yeah. But she was like, I didn't see it. I didn't see him. I didn't speak to him. Yeah. So, yeah. Which is quite, quite interesting. So, in April 1973, he completed his training, was posted to Will Wills did Green and he was still a cadet and a junior constable. He performed several arrests but never had to physically subdue a member of the public. Uh, he enjoyed the work but missed the com- comradeship. Mm-hmm. Um, comrade com I can't even say it. Probably the he just liked the way that the army was, yeah. was. They were more like brothers and family and stuff, weren't they? I
1: mean, I'm not being funny, but you'll probably get accused of uh, not pronouncing uh, English words.
2: Oh, don't. <laughs> Side note, <laughs> we had our first negative uh, <laughs> review um, this week. <laughs> and I said to Charlie, just ignore it. You know, everyone's allowed an opinion. <laughs> but... In the, co- in the review, it said that I couldn't say words properly. And I would like to hasten to say this, but Charlie suffers of dyslexia.
1: Yeah. Hi there.
2: <laughs> and I have a minor bit of dyslexia. And I also can say things in my brain fine, but there's like a function between my brain and my mouth and it doesn't come out right. I'm exactly the same. So... But the
1: thing is, I think everyone's like that. Not everyone is perfect.
2: Exactly. And I think the thing is as well, is both me and Charlie are very welcome to criticism, like constructive criticism, no problem. But this particular... Or Charlie feels that this particular comment was very Karen. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was very Karen I'm not, which I'm, I'm
2: really sorry to any Karen out there who isn't a Karen it, they need yes. to change they need to give it a different name one of
1: my friends is actually a Karen It's mm. called Karen my and sis- she's not she's my not my sister in a Karen is she actually a Karen? no <laughs> but yeah um, the review pissed me off a little yeah. bit
2: so it pissed I'm just like really passive about it I'm like do you know what allow them to because you look at any other podcast you look at the bigger podcast and they have there's so many people on them that complain about everything yeah and the thing is is these people are just like keyboard warriors yeah i just
1: like to say as well i in the episode that it, that they made ed a review, ed it was, the, it was the ed gean episode i made a sarcastic comment that lou hadn't done the research when she actually had <laughs> just like to point that out there jackie if you're listening again Who's Jackie? That's the woman that um made the comment.
2: Oh, is that what her name was? Yeah. So the thing is, well, if you're going to leave a negative comment, just call yourself like User One One Thousand Twenty One <laughs> or something. Do you yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs>
1: anyway, sorry. On.
2: I don't even know where I was. Oh yeah. So um so he missed the 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 family feeling of being in an army basically, and yeah. um, and he began to drink alone in the evenings. So he drink every night alone which is dangerous very dangerous to do that um and during the summer and autumn of 1973 Nielsen began frequent frequenting gay pubs and engaged in several casual liaisons liaisons with men
1: i do you know what i'm a bit like didn't realize that like there were gay clubs i suppose there was gay clubs and stuff around well
2: yeah so this is one one is this 1973 so yeah rewind back to the 70s in the 70s the world was like it's very racist and it's very um sexist now and very homophobic yeah but it was a lot worse back then Uh so you would have you would have pubs for black people you'd have pubs for gay people yeah um you would have like for you know and and people who know like how we have drag queens now and like there's there's some people out there that will dress differently so like you have like females that dress sort of more more masculine you have um males that are dressed more feminine people like that wouldn't ever do that they'd do it in their own homes when they knew nobody was coming around but they'd never do it in public because of the fear of being belittled or being attacked because people would yeah and the thing was as well back then if you were gay and everybody knew about it You Like, I think um, people would do shit like they'd break your windows.
1: Yeah, throw stones and stuff. Yeah,
2: which I haven't got time for shit like that. It doesn't matter. Like, I I think I've said this before. I am straight. I'm married to a man and I have children. Are you? (laughs) I actually think I might identify as a penguin, but (laughs) I'm joking. I'm joking. That's very Piers Morgan. I'm so sorry.
1: (laughs) He is such a dickhead.
2: (laughs) But funny. Sometimes. Yeah,
1: sometimes it's funny.
2: <laughs> um, I, have, I am of the opinion of do what makes you happy, whatever makes you happy, as long as it's not hurting anybody. Yeah. That, you know, be what you want to be. Exactly. You know, but don't throw it down my throat. I, yeah, I'm
1: exactly the same.
2: I don't stuff the fact that I'm, like, I don't sit there and I talk about the fact that, you know, I think that every female should be married to a man. I don't talk like that. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't have the feeling of, like I hate it when people in for like for example, if you are straight, for example, I've got a few friends who are female. They don't want to get married. They don't want to have children. Yeah, and that's their that's their choice. They yeah. don't have to do that. Being married and having children, I've done it, and I'm not saying that I. I would... just
1: think like there is there's just a big stigma of things that you have to do.
2: Yeah, and I think life shouldn't be about that i think no. you should do what you feel is happy yeah. what, what makes you happy if you want to go traveling for your whole life if you want to go and be a fucking surfboard teacher in the middle of australia and you don't want to get married or have kids or if you want to be you know obviously don't do drugs because i'm not endorsing that but if that's what you want to do yeah do it but actually you just need to realize what's going on like do you know what i mean yeah, 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 yeah. it just annoys me when people get um when it gets thrown down somebody's throat absolutely like you know the whole and obviously back then in the 70s it was just it was such a big thing like to to be gay and to come out as gay as well it was very big like i i actually watched um the freddie mercury uh the final act documentary last night and like i find it ridiculous how even nowadays like so, we're in 2021, and this year was the first year that we had our first gay footballer come out.
1: Yes. Yeah, I know.
2: Why should that be a thing? I know. Why should it be in the press? If he's gay, he's gay. Leave him alone. Yeah. Who, who cares? As long as he's not hurting anyone, leave mm-hmm. him alone. He's As long as he's but doing his job. the thing, thing
1: job, is, though, like at the same time...
2: It's great that he's come. He's, it's he's great that he's awareness. come out,
1: but my point of view is I don't believe in all this coming out shit. Like no. I really don't. Like you are what you are. You don't have. To, you, I'm not being funny, but you don't see someone that that's straight go. Oh, I'm straight.
2: I'm, yeah, they're like 12 years old. Um, uh, mom, dad, uh, just so you know, I'm straight.
1: But like, I just don't. I don't understand. No. Like, you know.
2: I can remember when we were having the discussion with you when we were growing up. Yeah. Like, and you never... And I remember one particular occasion you said to me, you were like, oh, um, there's this guy that I'm talking to. And I was like, really? And you were like, yeah. And you were like, I like men. And I was like, okay.
1: But the thing is, though, I don't like... It's my business, no one else's. Yeah, exactly.
2: And you know And that's what? how I feel. Yeah, and I think as long as you're happy and as long as whoever you're with, so be that male, female, fucking yeah. chair leg, <laughs> train, chair leg, you know, <laughs> front door, as long as they're making you happy and you're not hurting anyone, yeah. let it be. Anyway.
1: I just, yeah, I just don't... Oh, was that me? I think that was me that did that.
2: Um so uh so yeah so he, yeah, anyway, I'm he sorry. was he was going to gay pubs which is obviously a thing back then and he engaged, he engaged in several um casual like one night stands with people and he viewed these encounters as soul destroying and in which uh, he would only lend his partner his body in a vain search for inner peace so he was like on this soul searching thing
1: So we've just had a follow from um, Drunken True Crime. Hi, girls.
2: Hi, thanks for following. Um, Follow you back. uh, So, yeah, so he's on a vain search for inner peace. And as he sought a lasting relationship... Oh, as he sought... So he was basically on the hunt for, like, a relationship. Because, obviously, that's probably what he thought he had to do. Um, He... um, Yeah, I'm just reading (laughs) one. And so, yeah, in the August, uh, following a failed relationship, so I think he did have a really brief uh, relationship with somebody. He concluded that his personal lifestyle was at odds with his job, and obviously, he was a police officer still. Um, his birth father also died in the same month. So his, so Olav, um, had died, and he'd left all three of his children a thousand pounds. And in the December of 1973, uh, Nielsen resigned from the police. However, it actually turned out that he, I think he did resign, but it was on a caution because he was caught masturbating in the um, morgue of the the morgues.
1: Oh, yeah, I think I read something about that. Yeah,
2: so he was caught having a wank around all the dead bodies. That's it, yeah.
1: Dirty bastard.
2: Mm-hmm. So, um, we're getting there. Okay. We're nearly there, okay?
1: Don't so, have to keep telling everyone we're, not, we're almost there.
2: Well, because it's a lot of information it's going to be a oh, long episode. I know, I know. Um, so,
1: I did say to Lou, Lou about um, calming down on the whole two parts. Yeah. So, this is going to be a long episode, we think.
2: Yeah, I'm really sorry, everyone. Um, so, between December 1973 and May 1974, he worked as a security guard. Um but the work was intermittent and he resolved to find a more stable and secure employment. He then found work as a civil servant in May 1974. He was initially posted to a job centre in Denmark Street where his primary role was to fund employment for unskilled labourers. Right. Okay. At his workplace, Nielsen was known to be a quiet, conscientious employee who was active in the trade union movement. His attendance record was mediocre, although he frequently volunteered to work overtime. In 1979, Nielsen was appointed acting executive officer. He was officially promoted to the position as executive officer with additional supervisory responsibilities in June 1982. Fuck, he'd worked there a long time. Oh, three years. (laughs) Um, It's because at the top of the paragraph it says 1974. I was like, wow, that's a long time. But it's not, it's 1979. Um, and then he was transferred to another job job centre in Kentish Kentish Town, continuing in this job until his arrest. Okay. So I don't know if you remember, he worked in that. He was in that job centre on Kent yeah. in Kentish Town,
1: right? I mean, how would you feel that you were working with a murderer, serial killer? I think I'd be like, "What the fuck?"
2: Uh, yeah, I. Me personally, because I this is my thing,
1: you'd be like, Right, when can I schedule an interview? (laughs) (laughs) What you would do?
2: (laughs) No, do you know what? No, what, yes, one, that would be wonderful. (laughs) Do you want to come on a podcast? Yeah, we can zoom it, it's fine. (laughs) Um, my thing would be, How did I not know? Yeah, how did I not pick up on the signs? Do you know what? It's
1: really funny because when I see customers and I look at them, I'm just like, I'm so. Like, st- I know I shouldn't be, but I'm really stereotypical. And I look at them and go, "Oh, you look a bit rough. You could definitely be a serial killer." <laughs> <laughs>
2: okay. I
1: know it's bad, isn't it?
2: Mm-hmm. Right, so this is where... So we move on to the period where he mo- he's moved. He's He moves to Melrose Avenue. Okay. okay. So in Is this the f-
1: that flat he was living in? So
2: this is the first flat he was living in. So he had those two flats. Okay. So this is the first flat he lived in. So uh, in November 1975, he encountered a 20-year-old man named David Gallic- Gallican. Gallican?
1: Is it not Galligan? Gallican?
2: Gallican. Mm.
1: Gallican.
2: Gallican. Can oh pardon me. Um so David was being threatened outside a pub by two other men, probably because he was coming out of a gay pub, probably. Yeah. And he was being threatened by them. Um Nielsen intervened and took David to his room at eighteen Tynemouth Road in the Cricklewood district of North London. The two men spent the evening drinking and talking. Nielsen learned that David was re- had recently moved to London from Western Supermare, Somerset, and he was gay. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was also unemployed and he also result- resided in a hostel at the time um, the following morning both men agreed to live together in a larger residence and Nielsen using part of the inheritance left to him by his father immediately started searching for a larger property so several days later the pair viewed a vacant ground floor flat at 195 Melrose Avenue also in Cricklewood yeah. and they decided to move into the property prior to moving into Melrose Avenue, Nielsen negotiated a deal with the landlord whereby he and David would have exclusive use of the rear the garden at the rear rear of the property. So I'm guessing, if I remember rightly, it was more of like a masonette type. Yeah. So a masonette, if you don't know what a masonette is, so a masonette is like a house, like a normal two-story house where they basically cut the stairs out and then they turn them into like two... Flats no, that's not masonaire what's
1: a masonair so a masonair is a it is a normal house, yeah, and then underneath it um is a flat what yeah, have you not seen them? There's one in Stansted. a couple of them is Stansted. Oh okay they they're not they're not flats, so a ma like a masonair i think well actually I think they use the name for flats for like those type of flats as mm. masonets as well, but a masonette is a house with a flat underneath it. Oh,
2: okay. Um, every day's a school day.
1: I'm pretty sure. Let me Google it while you carry on.
2: Okay. Um, uh, The flat was supposed to be furnished, but upon moving in, Nielsen, um, so Dennis and David, found it to be largely threadbare, so there's no furniture in there at all. Over the following months, uh, they de- redecorated and furnished the entire flat, much of this work was performed by David as uh, Nielsen had discovered his lack of imp- employment ambitions. Um, uh, so then Dennis began to view himself as the breadwinner in their relationship. Nielsen later recollected that he was sexually attracted to uh, David, but the pair rarely had intercourse. Oh, okay. So I think they did have sex a couple of times. Um, initially... Nielsen, so Dennis, he was starting to experience domestic contentment. So he started to like really enjoy living with him. They felt, I'm guessing they probably felt like a couple. Um, yeah. But within a year of their moving to Melrose Avenue, the superficial relationship uh, began uh, between the two men began to show sh- shine signs of strain. Mm-hmm. Um, they slept in separate beds and both began to bring home casual sexual partners. Um David later insisted Nilsson uh, had never been violent towards him, but he did engage in verbal abuse, and the pair began arguing with increasing frequency by early nineteen uh, seventy-six. Uh, Dennis later stated that following a heated argument between uh, in my oh, fucking hell, Louise. <laughs> Nielsen later stated that following a heated argument in May 1977, he demanded David leave the home. David later informed investigators that he'd chosen to end the relationship. Are you going to tell me what amazing it is?
1: So it, it, you are right, but a flat... So I, where I got the house thing from is, is that um, it can be over two floors. Uh, okay. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. it, so it is a house, but they still call it a flat.
2: Right, got you. Okay. Every day's a school day. Yeah. Um. Where was I?
1: Sorry, guys. <laughs> That's my fault.
2: So, um, after David had left the house, uh, Nielsen then formed brief relationships with several other young men. Following the uh, following.
1: Hang on, just going back. Did he kill him?
2: No. Oh. No. So he he survived. Um. So yeah. So he ended up having several. Other relations, brief, like really short relationships of other young men over the next 18 months. None of these relationships lasted more than a few weeks, and none of the men expressed any intention of living with him on a permanent basis. Yeah, so I reckon that those men were probably just like using him as like a bed and breakfast sort of thing. Yeah, um, by the late. By late 1978, Nielsen was living a solitary existence. he had experienced at least three failed relationships in the previous 18 months, and he later confessed to having developed an increasing conviction that he was unfit to live with. So basically, he even knew in his own head that he shouldn't have anyone living with him. Oh, really? Yeah. Throughout 1978, he devoted an ever-increasing amount of his time, effort and astuteness to his work, and most evenings he spent consuming spirits and or lager, As you listen to music. Mm hmm So, yeah. Right. Are you ready?
1: I think so. Let's go. Between 1978
2: and 1983, Nielsen is known to have killed a minimum of 12 men and boys and to have attempted to kill seven others. He initially confessed in 1983 to having killed about 16 victims. Jesus. Yep. The majority of Nielsen's victims were homeless or gay men so at the start um, when we'll go on to his arrest but when he um, was arrested yeah. he uh, they the prep, when the press got hold of it they initially um, they initially uh, were saying that they were just gay men right. Alright. So
1: typical media, not getting the facts right. Exactly,
2: exactly. Um so yeah, to so to start with they kept saying that all he did was kill men that were gay. Um Others Oh <laughs> So his victims were homeless or gay men and other um, of his victims were homosexual people he typically typically met in bar bars on public transport, or on one occasion, he met this met one of them outside his house.
1: Yeah,
2: All right. All of Nielsen's murders were committed inside the two North London addresses where he resided in the year he is known to have killed. So he killed these people in a year and a bit.
1: Oh, mm-hmm.
2: his victims were led to these addresses through. Um, he basically was just like. Saying, Come to my house and we'll carry on drinking and or come to my house, you can stay the night. Yeah. Like come to my house and I'll feed you (laughs) Um, Inside his home, the victims were usually given food and alcohol, then strangled, typically with a ligature, either to death or until they become unconscious. If the victim had been strangled into unconsciousness, Nielsen then drowned them in his bathtub, his sink or bucket of water before observing a ritual in which he bathed, clothed and retained the bodies inside the residences for several weeks or occasionally months before dismembering them. Lovely. Um, Each victim killed between, so this is the the time span, so it was between 1978 and 1981 at his Cricklewood residence was disposed of, of, so he would burn their bodies in a bonfire in the garden. Oh. Yeah. Prior, uh, so, but prior to their dissection... Uh, he had removed their internal organs, which he disposed of either beside a fence behind his flat or close to Gladstone Park.
1: I mean, I'm not being funny, but how did anyone not know?
2: I mean, if you fa- if you find a bag of, like, lungs, you're not just going to go, oh, just pick them up and put them in the bin. Are you? <laughs> no. Um, and then the victims that were killed in 1982, or between 1982 and 1983, at his Muswell Hill residence, where were retained in his flat with their flesh and smaller bones flushed down the toilet.
1: Yeah, because didn't it clog up?
2: Yeah. Um, Nielsen admitted to engaging in masturbation as he viewed the nude bodies on several of his victims and to have gauged in sexual acts of six of his victims' bodies, but was adamant he never penetrated any of his victims. Nice. Yeah. Right. Are we ready? So that's just like a brief Little blurb about his murders. Should we go into the victims? Yep. Because I think it should be about the victims because they're the ones that suffered and it's just awful. How far in are we? Nine and twenty. Oh, sh- I'm so sorry, everybody. I'll go as quick as I can.
1: It's okay. Don't go as quick as you can. I'll just edit it. And we'll just, so this will be our last two part, guys, for a while. Uh, yes, definitely. Last two. two <clears throat> we'll okay,
2: so I think this should be... I think this will be where we'll leave you on a cliffhanger
1: okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, um, so yeah. So that concludes at the end of part one, guys. Yeah. And I haven't edited this in, I've just cut Lou off and just said it. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll
2: see you, uh, we'll see you on Wednesday for see part two. See you on Wednesday for
1: part two. Bye. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening to another episode of The Chaz and Lou Show. Keep up to date with all the latest by connecting with us on socials by searching at The Chaz and Lou Show. Join us every Sunday and Wednesday as we discuss all things true crime, scary and things that scare us shitless. That's here on The Chaz and Lou Show.